fighting's no longer done in the battlefield, Payne. Killing is my business, and business is good! Now all the blood is shed in the halls of Congress. There gotta be somebody needs some killing. There's no one left. You killed them all. Major Benson Winifred Payne needs a job. Major Payne reporting for duty, sir. What? But this isn't what he had in mind. Hey, ho, yes, sir! What's your name, girly mouth? <laughs> I have eight weeks to turn you no gaggle of maggots into a well-desert blank of that unit! Tomorrow, lady, we gonna start the hard stuff. The hard stuff? We gotta get rid of that jerk. These kids need a minor miracle, but what they've got is a major pain. Hi, I'm Emily Walker, and the school counselor. You want Rissa? You need to be more sensitive. What's your angle, boy? Did I give you permission to sneeze on me? No, sir. Bleep, bleep, bleep. What are you laughing at, pig boy? His methods may be madness. But now they're learning. No pain, no gain. Boy's making me soft. Them boys need you. Universal Pictures presents Benson. Nobody does the robot anymore. Guess I got to dig further into my repertoire. Damon Wayans. He's back. Who's back? The man who was in my closet. He's in there. He's still in there. He ain't happy. Major pain. Good evening, folks and a hearty welcome to our drive-in theater. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you, one that will provide several hours of pleasurable relaxation and diversion for you and your family. There are always wonderful new pictures to see, delightful snacks to nibble, a gay, pleasant evening for all. We hope you have a wonderful time. Five, four, three, two, one, showtime! Major Benson Payne, played by Damon Wayans lives, breathes, and sleeps war. But after being honorably discharged from the Marines due to the lack of wars, Payne, the natural-born killer, has absolutely no idea how to cope in everyday civilian life. Fortunately, before he completely breaks down, Payne finds his way back into the military capacity at Madison Preparatory School, leading a group of misfit junior ROTC students who don't want to be led. Whipping these kids into shape might be his toughest battle yet. Welcome to TRN Drive-In 95 over here on Patreon. Thanks so much for tuning in tonight. Uh, if you smell something, it's not the pretzels at the concession stand. That is the smell of fear. <laughs> <laughs> After watching uh, Major Pain. Uh, Mickey is here, as always. How you doing, Mick? That's... Major Benson Winifred Payne. That's right. Major Can't Benson. <laughs> no, uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. And it, this was uh, a fun uh, movie to revisit. I had not watched it in a while. Uh, we'll get into a little bit of that and, and when we first you know, saw the movie back in the day. But uh, man, it's just a fun movie. I, I, I don't see... Uh, <laughs> I don't see any way around just uh, having fun with this movie, you know? Yeah, it uh, it had been a long time since I watched it. And one of the things that jumped out to me, well, number one was just how fun it was. And a lot of the lines in the movie, and I know we'll get to in quotes, I still use today. And it, it it's completely left my brain of where I originally got them from. Right. So, 
you know, and then I'm like watching the movie again and he'd say something I'm like, Oh yeah. And at one point, actually my daughter said there early on, she goes, is that where you got that from? <laughs> I was like, yeah, probably <laughs> had to be. So she watched it with you. Yeah. Yeah. She did. She liked it. Yeah. My oldest actually, uh, he got off the video games, came out for snack and I had already started the movie and he jumped in on it and, Oh, he loved it, man. He's like, is there a, a second one? I was like, no, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I wish it was like Rambo, you know, where right, right. <laughs> Major Pain 4. You know. <laughs> he Maybe the next Expendables, they can put Major Pain in it. Oh, the, no. The character Major Pain. That's what we need. We need like a, a comedy version of the Expendables. You know, mm-hmm. who, who else could we come up with that? Yeah, I'm thinking like. Uh, Murdoch. Uh, well, yeah, you, any of the A-team, really, <laughs> you could throw in there and, oh gosh, yeah, that would be fun to come up with. That girl from Troop Beverly Hills, you know, Adam, <laughs> Adam's a big fan, put her in there. There you go, yeah. Well, we uh, appreciate you joining us, you know, obviously if you're listening to this, you have uh, supported us over there on Patreon and we do appreciate it and we hope you're enjoying these Drive-In 95 uh, movies Still got some great ones to get to, but uh, really excited to bring you major pain tonight. Uh, let's get to some of the cast and crew highlights uh, from the movie, Mick. Uh, of course, starring Damon Wayans, as I said. I think we pretty much know him from In Living Color. That was my earliest experience with right. him, and I fell in love with his work. He did some other you know, movies uh, along the way. Blank Man, uh, Celtic Pride, I'm guessing, is one that you enjoy. I've only watched that one once, but yeah, right. I, I was a fan. Yeah. But yeah, I in Living Color, so many great characters on In Living Color. Besides uh, In Living Color in this, my favorite role of his was in The Great White Hype. Right. Yeah. Danny, I did. The Grim Reaper Roper. <laughs> I did see that in his uh, filmography. Remember you talking about that? Have you uh, not watched before? that? I have still have not watched it. No. That's that's a fun movie too. Really fun. Yeah. But yeah, his roles on Living Color, Homie the Clown, that uh, bum that <laughs> lives in the little cardboard shack, you know, <laughs> on several things. Uh, the um, uh, the Jamaican, what was it? Uh, <laughs> shoot. Uh, about getting a job and having like 12 jobs. What was that called? Um, oh, hey, man. <laughs> Better get a job. Uh that whole family, you know, that was great. And it's just hard to top. Uh, homie, don't play that. Yeah. Homie the clown was his classic. So yeah, this was uh well, we'll get into his filmography here in a little bit, but uh one of his earlier pictures, I think his first lead role. His uh counterpart in the movie, uh well, I don't want to say counterpart, but uh going down the uh supporting actors here, Karen Parsons as Emily who we all know as Hillary on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Mm-hmm. She was also in uh, Ladies' Man in 2000, uh, the short-lived sitcom Lush Life with Lori Petty in 96. And uh, she was also in Class Act with Kid and Play in 1992. Hmm. So she had a small uh, film history, but I think we all mainly know her you know, as Hillary, Hillary. on Fresh Prince. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's kind of hard to get out of that you know, mindset watching her in this movie and her character on there, who's kind of the, I don't know, ditzy uppity and she's more down to earth, you know, in this movie and, <laughs> you know, making the moves and, and he's making the moves on her too, you know, mm-hmm. uh, throughout the movie. 
Steve Martini as cadet Alex J. Stone. This was his first feature film. And uh, he's had guest roles along the way. Murder, She Wrote, Silk Stockings, Law and Order. Uh, mainly just small guest roles on television uh, after this movie. But, um, yeah, I thought he did a, a pretty solid job as uh, the... Well, I, he wasn't at first the, the kind of leader of the troop, but he came back around and he was that major... The guy that was button heads with Major Payne the most, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the movie. And I mm-hmm. uh, thought he did a fun job. Uh, Orlando Brown as Cadet Kevin Tiger Dunn. This was his first movie as well, The Small Boy. Uh, he had a recurring role on Family Matters, actually. Um, I had not watched that show a lot. So uh, as he was growing up, he did that show. He did the Jamie Foxx show. And he had a featured role on the show That's So Raven. I think that was a Disney show. Mm-hmm. And uh, also the lead character in the animated series Fillmore. Huh. So he's had some uh, voice acting uh, along the way. Uh, Chris Owen as Cadet Wooliger. Uh, this was his second feature. This is the red-haired kid from the movie. Uh, he, his face just... Uh, anytime he's in a movie, you, you, you kind of recognize him. Um, his first role actually was Scott Farkas in the 1994 Christmas Story spinoff It Runs in the Family. <laughs> now, you've, you've said before that that was one that, uh, that you've seen. No, right. not the 1994 one. No, the other ones they made earlier. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, not that one. I had remembered him in Black Sheep. He was also in Can't Hardly Wait. She's all that. American Pie one and two. Oh, yeah. The Ready Shermanator. To, yeah. <laughs> Ready to Rumble. He was in there. My favorite movie that he's in. It's kind of a one that I just. Uh, had not expected to connect with, but uh, I remember the wife and I seeing it in the movie theater. October Sky, which is about the Rocket Boys, this group of uh, kids out of I think I think it was West Virginia that entered this science fair and uh, they were shooting off rockets. Have you ever seen this movie? No, I know what it is, but I've never watched it. Oh, it's such a great movie! It's uh, that whole uh, uh, like coal mine culture and trying to escape. You know what his uh, it's it, the uh, the lead character is Jake Gyllenhaal, and he's one of the the crew. But um, oh, it's such a great movie, and just came out of nowhere, and I've I've loved it ever since. All right, and then we've also got Damien Dante Wayans as Cadet Deke Williams. This was his first movie. He's actually a, uh, a the nephew of Damon. He's had uh, small parts in films and movies over the years. Uh, he was also a writer on uh, Damon's show, My Wife and Kids, and he co-created a show called Second Generation Wayne's hmm. in 2013, where uh, some of the uh, nieces, nephews of Keenan Ivory and, and Damon actually uh, put a show together. Had not even known this show had existed. Uh, and then we've got a couple other uh, fun small bit parts in the movie. Michael Ironside as Lieutenant Colonel Stone. He plays uh, Alex's dad in the movie. Shows up all drunkard and, uh, <laughs> and Major Payne has to show him, uh, you know, what's up there. But he uh, is known for a lot of different movies. He was in the TV series V back in the day. Total Recall, probably a lot of people will recognize. And uh, Starship Troopers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the drill sergeant in that. 
He was actually the voice of Darkseid in the Superman animated series and more DC animated shows. Well, that makes sense. Uh, he was, yeah, he was uh, in Terminator Salvation, X-Men First Class, and he's also the voice of Sam Fisher in several Splinter Cell video games. If you go over to his IMDb, you'll be scrolling like <laughs> forever. He's a character actor that's been a lot of stuff. And then uh, Scott Bigelow, a.k.a. Bam Bam, Bam Bigelow. Bam Bigelow. He, he was just known as a biker in the movie. Uh, of course, you know him from the WWF days. And also a movie called Joe's Apartment in 1996. And a movie called Icebreaker with Sean Astin, Bruce Campbell, and Stacey Keach. <laughs> Never heard of this movie. Uh, I might have to check it out if it's available on streaming somewhere. It, it looks like it might line up for what Tubi has to offer, but uh, such a fun part there as uh, <laughs> as a uh, thug for hire there. And then finally, William Hickey as Dr. Phillips, who I instantly said, it's Uncle Lewis from Christmas <laughs> Vacation. You know, he's the, the administrator there at the school. And he actually had uh, two more movies in 1995, the Jerky Boys movie and Forget Paris with Billy Crystal. He appeared in both of those. To me, so. his his role is always as that old guy on wings asking all those questions. Yes, that's true. And that is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be that guy when I'm like 80 years old. Right, yeah. So uh, that's going to kind of round out the cast. Um, of course, there's several more uh, children actors in the movie that uh, just didn't look up, just didn't uh, you know, go on to do anything that we would know, you know, nowadays, really. Uh, the movie was directed by Nick Castle, who horror fans will know as playing the original Michael Myers in John Carpenter's 1978 Halloween. Huh. Uh, he co-wrote uh, Escape from New York with Carpenter. Also directed The Last Starfighter in 84, The Boy Who Could Fly in 86, Hook in 91, and Dennis the Menace in 93. Uh, also directed one episode of Amazing Stories, The 21-Inch Sun, which a sitcom writer writes a script thanks to a spider plant that absorbs television rays. <laughs> oh. Crazy. Uh, didn't remember that episode right away, but uh, interesting... Uh, kind of choice here, you know, as a, as a director of his filmography and everything. But, uh, I think it worked out pretty well. Uh, now this is interesting as far as the writers go of major pain, the story was credited to Bob Mosher, who was the creator of leave it to beaver and Joe Connolly, who also wrote for the leave it to beaver series and the monsters and the new leave it to beaver. Now, the reason why they're credited for the story is this movie is loosely based on a 1955 comedy film, The Private War of Major Benson, starring Charlton yeah. Heston and Julie Adams. Uh, Mosher and Connolly were actually nominated for an Academy Award for Best Story that year. And also a made-for-TV movie, Hard Knock, starring Robert Conrad, was also loosely based on that original movie. That was released in 1984. You can actually find that on YouTube, Hard uh, Knocks. But yeah, I did not know that this was uh, essentially a reboot. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. That's, that's uh, really interesting. Uh, and then the screenplay, Dean Laurie wrote that. Uh, he's a writer-producer nowadays 
for shows like uh, the new Harley Quinn animated series, Arrested Development, My Wife and Kids, of course, starring Damon Wayans. Gary Rosen uh, is also credited for the screenplay, who wrote a couple episodes for The Librarians, 90210, 21 Jump Street, Simon and Simon. And Damon Wayans is also credited with the screenplay. So, yeah, the story goes back a long ways, and then you had uh, several people come in and and hash out the script. And we'll we'll get into some of those uh, in the actually the facts uh, about the script, some interesting uh, rewrites and stuff uh, as that was being developed. But um, as we always ask, uh, what was the first time that you watched this movie? I was thinking maybe you said you saw it in the theater. Oh yeah, I saw this in the theater back in '95. It uh, this will probably be the last time I say it, but we had two dollar Tuesdays at our local theater, you know, small town, and Tuesday night was the place to be. And any new movie that had came out on Friday, we generally uh, a rotating cast of characters would get mm-hmm. together and go watch the movies. And Major Payne was one of them, and uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, being 17 years old, this is right in your wheelhouse of humor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was, um, I can't really remember the exact experience of watching this movie in the theater, who all was there and how many of us <laughs> it was, but I do remember that we all enjoyed it and for yeah. good reason. Cause it was a funny movie. Yeah. It was funnier then than it was now watching it at 42 years old, but <laughs> yeah, well, it's a little bit different too, as a parent <laughs> yeah. and the way he's treating the kids, you know, and you're like, eh, that's a little little on edge for really? uh, today's culture. Yeah. See, I, that's what I thought then. But as a parent now, I'm like, oh, man, I, I fully get it. I know where he's coming <laughs> from. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I don't remember seeing it in the theater. I, I did a quick uh, look through all of my old tickets that I've kept and uh, didn't find it in there. But uh, I definitely remember seeing it pretty early on. And I want to say maybe I purchased it Blockbuster or one of those places as a previously viewed movie later in the nineties and we added it to our collection. I can remember going back and renting it on VHS, you know, after it came out maybe two or three times there in, in the late nineties. But I don't think I had watched it in this millennium until I rewatched it for this episode. It had probably been about 20 years or more since I watched it. Yeah. Yeah. I would say probably early two thousands for me. Last time I'm, sat down and watched it and just kind of moving into the legacy of the movie. I think it is mainly forgotten or mainly passed over. Uh, haven't seen it pop up on streaming a lot. So, and again, it wasn't a blockbuster by then or even promoted as one back then, you know, it was just, a uh, you know, it was released in March. So it wasn't like a, a summer movie either. It was so. a filler. It was a, it was a right, filler. Right. The budget probably wasn't very high on it, which I'm sure you'll tell us later. And it probably wasn't expected to make a lot. It's probably expected to make something and uh, just a, a filler, you know, to fund right. other projects. So, yeah. So it, I think the the movie really doesn't have much of a legacy. I did find that it had an official soundtrack release for Craig Saffin's score. But, uh, you know, not any there wasn't really any other music in the movie other than just the military type stuff, you know which is probably more or less his score. But yeah, I would say mainly forgotten over the years and you, once in a while will pop up. Oh yeah. I remember watching that. That was funny. Mm-hmm. And you spout off a couple lines and that's about it. Well, you know, like I was saying earlier, the legacy for me is I was surprised to know that a lot of my everyday vernacular 
came from this movie. Mm-hmm. And so the legacy for me is I rediscovered that and it's like, wow, it, it must have influenced me a lot back then because I still quote a lot of the movie today without realizing it. Yeah. The impact really is just more line based in uh, the, the, <laughs> The story we tells the little kid. I think those things just go through my mind first when I when I think about the movie. But uh, yeah, it, I mean, it was just fun. I, I know we don't have any traditional viewings as, as we uh, <laughs> go through here, but um, <laughs> it was really good to uh, to watch it again and watch it with uh, my kids. Okay, so let's get on to some facts and stats about the movie. Released March twenty fourth, nineteen ninety five, by Universal Pictures, rated PG thirteen. For some language and crude humor, <laughs> runtime hour and thirty-five minutes. I mean, I, th- I thought that was perfect. Didn't seem yeah. too long to me. Uh, didn't seem too short. Actually, could not find a budget for this movie. I looked uh, several places, could not find what uh, the budget was. But it was released the same week as Dolores Claiborne, starring Kathy Bates. Also, a Disney movie called Tall Tale, starring Patrick Swayze which was pretty much a box office bomb. I have never watched the movie, didn't even remember the movie existed <laughs> until I did the uh, the research on the movie. Now, I can't remember any like real buzz around the movie, uh, around Major Pain as it came out, but it was uh, in 1995, the number 67th movie overall at the box office. It debuted at number two behind Outbreak with mm. $7 million. Outbreak was in its third week and final week at number one when Major Pain came out. And uh, Dolores Claiborne debuted at number three. It was number three the second week it came out, and it slowly dropped to number ten by the fifth. And then the sixth week, it shot back up to number three. And I was looking. There was like a huge spike in theaters that week. Uh, it wasn't Easter. It wasn't um, really based around a holiday. So I, I was trying to do some research because like the all of the box office numbers like doubled that sixth week that it was out and i mean across the board so Ooh. it was weird uh it's like right at the end of you know april coming into may so can't think of what that would uh have caused that but it grossed up 30 million dollars worldwide which is 61 million adjusted for inflation and you know not knowing the budget um, I would say it probably at least broke even, maybe made a little money. <laughs> yeah, uh, it about have to making that kind of money because, yeah. you know, there wasn't, you could tell by not knocking the cast, but Damon Wayans was the biggest chunk of the pie in this cast. And, you know, I just can't see this movie not being a money maker. Yeah. Uh, so it was released uh, on VHS and Laserdisc. September 12th, 1995, the same day as The Jerky Boys, Rob Roy, House Guest, and Pulp Fiction all oh, came man. out the same day on House Video. Guest. That's a movie I forgot about. The Sinbad. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's right. VHS Home Video, it came uh, February 20th, 1996. Also had DVD releases in 99 and 2009 and Blu ray in 2017. So it's made the full circle. Here's some initial feedback on the movie from uh, critics. Rita Kempley at the Washington Post. Major Payne promises to make Wayans a major player. 
unquote, on that. Kevin Thomas at the LA Times, while major pain is too predictable for most adults, it's an ideal entertainment for youthful audiences that allows Damon Wayans to be at his best in a dream part. It's a pretty good review. And then uh, Roger Ebert. I was trying to find the actual Siskel and Ebert show, and I could not find it on YouTube. But from uh, his website, he gave it three out of four stars. Wayans is one of the most talented comic actors around, especially when he lets go and swings for the fences. In some of his earlier film work, including Mo Money in 92, he was softening the edges too much. His best work, including the Men on Film segments of In Living Color. Oh, de- gosh, yes. I love de- those. I forgot about those till just now. <laughs> depend on outrageous behavior, and as major pain, he is plenty outrageous. So that's pretty darn good from Ebert, man. About as good as you'll get out of him. Yeah. And I, I can see where he's getting at. Uh, I don't remember uh, some of those movies, those earlier movies. But um, just kind of, you know, doing his own thing, he does his best then instead of trying to rein him in, you know. Yeah. Uh, Rotten Tomato score in this movie is 33% on the oh, tomato meter. Goodness. That's that's the critics. 68% on the audience score. Okay, that's about, so, that's about where I would expect yeah. it to be, man. Uh, and I did not see any award nominations for the movie. Hmm, so really you sure it wasn't up for an Oscar or something that year? <laughs> no. Uh, the, uh, it, it won best picture at the, uh, camp Lejeune, <laughs> whatever <laughs> rec room awards. Yeah. You know, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's sadly didn't get any awards, uh, nominated for any awards, but let's give out some of our own. Shall we? Sure. All right. Let's go for favorite scene in the movie. I've got uh, one, two, three, four, five nominations here. I'll just uh, throw them out. If you got any more you want to throw in, you know, feel free. Okay. Uh, first nomination when uh, Major Payne is uh, trying to get that job <laughs> as a civilian. Yes. <laughs> and he slaps the husband in the domestic violence dispute. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was uh, pretty funny. The next scene, I'm just calling the dummy grenade. <laughs> Ooh, the dummy now. <laughs> <laughs> next scene, shooting the bad man in the closet. Yeah. Uh, when uh, he's putting little tiger to bed, if he's still in there, he ain't happy. You know, <laughs> shoots up the. Uh, the next scene. Of course, the Bam Bam Bigelow scene. Oh, that's awesome. When he shows up. And then the final nomination I have is the Little Engine That Could story. That one's tough night. to beat. I would. The only other thing I would throw in uh, that I just really got a kick out of was the opening sequence when he's kind of aping the scene from Apocalypse Now yeah. when he's in the hotel room. That was well done. In a, It was a great copy of that scene, but, you know, with its comedic twist and Right. You know, eating the rat and stuff. That was pretty funny. <laughs> Throwing his bag up in the air and kicking it, trying to stay sharp. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I've, like you said, it's hard to beat the little engine that could story because ju- he's just giving it all he can and <laughs> the kids <laughs> freaking out. And, you know, the uh, Karen peeks her head in there and 
she freaks out when he's like, boom, and he starts, you know, <laughs> going all loud and talking about the little nubs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Feel my legs, pain. I can't feel my legs. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they, a great scene in a movie gets referenced later in the movie. And there at the end when he's trying to get Tiger to lead him in the competition. He's like, you want me to tell you the story about the little engine that could again? <laughs> right, like, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would, I would have to vote for that one. I believe the little engine that could, that's yeah. it's classic uh, movie, movie magic right there. Yeah. It's, I mean, gosh, I mean, there is some great other scenes in the movie, but like I said, that's the one I immediately think of when I think of major pain. So I'm going to vote for that one as well. Uh, favorite quote or line in the movie. Okay. So I've got, Oh my goodness. <laughs> I've got, I've got six nominations. here. <laughs> okay. And I'm going to do my best impressions on these. So here we go. <clears throat> Killing is my business ladies and business is good. <laughs> That's a pretty good impression. <laughs> I've had practice, you know? Oh, okay. Uh, my next one is in the the early stages of the movie before you know when he's going through the uh <laughs> he's got all the banditos around him and stuff and the one guy's like you can't kill us all senor nope but i can sure clean out your colon quicker than one of those burritos with extra guacamole sauce <laughs> <laughs> he pulls that gun you know up to his behind there uh <laughs> If you want to find the definition of sympathy, just look in the dictionary between shit and syphilis. That's where, That's you where find you'll my find sympathy. my sympathy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. One, there's another one where he just is simply like, there's got to be someone left that needs some killing. I think it was when they were releasing him, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Apparently, he had a little accident. Well, apparently he pissed all over the front of his pants. <laughs> <laughs> and is that all you got out of this whole movie? That's all you got? <laughs> Let me add a few more. Uh, I've got another one. I got okay. another one. <laughs> so what do you do for fun? I like to hang upside down and take my gun apart and put it back together before my nose starts to bleed. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Keep going. Well, uh, one that I use a lot is uh, that the scene where Tiger is about to piss the front of his pants and he's got to go and he goes, I can't hold it. He's like, you hold it or I'll break it off and kick it around on the ground. <laughs> right, yeah. That's one I use at work a lot uh, <laughs> when somebody wants to go to the bathroom. Uh, then, uh, are you plotting against me, boy? You know, that's another good one. I'm always asking yeah. people, are they plotting against me? And uh, what are you looking at, ass eyes? Ass eyes, yeah. <laughs> ass eyes. Just the term ass eyes is one of my favorite quotes from the movie. I've There was a kid that after this movie came out where when I worked in the grocery store that we called ass eyes because he kind of looked like that kid <laughs> with that wide expression on his face and the big wide uh -huh. eyes. For two years he worked there, he was known as ass eyes. Not out on the floor, but in the stock room. You know, you wouldn't think about it. But hey, ass eyes, come over here in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so all those are are uh, some of my favorites as well. Yeah, I don't I don't know where to go with this one. I mean, uh, 
I could make this like a five-way tie. I know. I know. (laughs) That whole shit and syphilis thing. (laughs) Oh, that gets me every time. But I might have to start using that one. I had forgot about that. (laughs) I I think I'm just going to go with uh, killing is my business, ladies, and business is good. I mean, you you think about that and the way he says it. Mm -hmm. I just it's that's major pain, you know. Yeah, and you know, I probably should have nominated for best scene when he first meets all the cadets because that's where all my favorite quotes come from. It's that one that's scene. True. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there. I, I'll uh, I'll go. I'll second your nomination there for the business okay. is good because that line has been aped by so many people in so many movies sure in different has. ways. Which he didn't. That's not the original. I mean, it's aping a quote too. You know, from right. years b- before. All right, who stole the show in a minor role? I I think it could be narrowed down to three people on this. Either, because like I said, the, the first time I saw Uncle Lewis, I was like, Uncle Lewis! But he, I mean, I don't know, even his scenes were just kind of meh. And then you got Bam Bam scene mm-hmm. and Ironside's scene when, uh, you know, Payne stands up to him uh, with the kid behind him. I thought that was a pretty good scene. And then of course when 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 uh, Bam Bam Bigelow shows up and they go at it. <laughs> I thought you said you're going that's another line. <laughs> I thought you said you were going to kick me in the head. You oh, call I'm me sorry. a liar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whack. Yeah. Uh gosh, that that this is in the young history of this show. This may be my toughest dilemma on picking a winner for that category uh you know i i like uh the shermanator too when he's walking around in the room after they get their head shaved he's like you know about my medical conditions <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's he's got a fun role in that and uh, when major pain farts and he passes out you know he done a great job in this movie i want to give it to him i i can't so- remember his name but Scott Farkas. Uh, yeah, Scott Farkas. <laughs> His name is Chris Owen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cadet Willinger. Uh, yeah, I think I'm just uh, to do something different here. I'll give it to Michael Ironside because that's he played the, the drunk dad well and, you know, salute me, boy, and the whole thing. And then just the way that. Payne comes in and basically sticks up for the cadets. That's kind of a turning point in the movie, you know, because mm-hmm. they hadn't seen them him do anything like that for him up to that point. And in a just, uh, you know, not direct way, they realize how much he cares for them. So, right. And the way Michael Ironside, you know, came at him and I, I thought that was a pretty good scene. So I'll give it to him. That's a good pick, too. All right. Um, there's really, I guess, no uh, nobody else to nominate for MVP of the movie than Damon. Yeah, that's um, that's a no brainer. It's his movie. It's <laughs> there's no real way around it. Nobody else would. Uh, I, I would come close to putting above him as an MVP. So let's just go on to was this his best role in a movie? Mm. You've got uh. You know, you've got several around that time. The Last Boy Scout. Have you seen that one? Uh, that's one I've not seen. 
I probably rented it one time. That's the only time I've seen it. So I'm not familiar really with that movie. Um, he's been in a, a just minor roles in some of the other ones that I've got on the list here that we'll get to for his biggest money makers. But um, it's it's hard to pick one role even on in Living Color to that you would say is his best role. You know, well. When I think Damon Wayans, the first thing that comes to mind is Homie the Clown. So I would, if we can include TV shows, to me, that was his best role for my taste. Mm -hmm. But uh, this, as far as movie role, this would have to be it, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah, that's, I'm, for movies, for me, yeah. I just haven't uh, seen enough of the other ones either to, to really compare, you know, to this one. His biggest moneymaker, as a lead, yes, I, he hasn't been the lead in many of the movies he's been in. But um, as a like a co-star or ensemble cast supporting role, his biggest moneymakers. He was the uh, Banana Man in Beverly Hills Cop, which <laughs> grossed uh, two hundred thirty-four million. He was uh, Jimmy Dix in The Last Boy Scout, fifty-nine million for that cameo and Last Action Hero. I don't remember him being in Last Action Hero. It's been a while. Watching Last Action Hero, so I can't comment. Fifty million. Uh, He was T Bone in the movie Colors. That was forty six million domestic, and then he was the voice of Eddie in Look Who's Talking Two, which was another forty six million. So, like I said, Major Payne was only thirty as a you know direct comparison to all these. Uh, total, so it, it really didn't come close to being his biggest moneymaker overall. As far as being the most critically acclaimed role, you know, just from the the reviews that we got earlier, I would say probably yes, uh, that it was his most critically acclaimed role. And again, I don't, I don't know, I, I don't think any of the other movies would really trump that as far as uh, being a, a co-star supporting actor you know right i remember he got a lot of buzz for the last boy scout but i think that was more because coming out of his comedic roles on a living color and then playing that serious role i think people were a little surprised but yeah i would say this uh, i mean to get that kind of review from roger ebert i mean how do you not say this is his most critically acclaimed role that's right all right well let's go on to some uh, casting what ifs i found one that um was kind of interesting, and it, and it ties into the screenplay. Screenplay writer Dean Laurie says in a uh, two-part behind-the-scenes article on his website that he wrote the script with Clint Eastwood in mind. After writing the script, he found out that Damon is being tapped to play the lead character and then rewrites based on the lead character not uh, more reactive, but being the you know more of the driving force of the movie, you know I, I have not watched the original movie. That's probably why he you know back in the day um, it was um, Charlton Heston who starred in the original picture. So you know bringing Clint Eastwood in to deal with a bunch of kids, you know you're thinking more of a like a kindergarten cop situation almost, mm-hmm. where uh, where he's more reactive to all the kids versus like, you know, major pain is and whipping them into shape, you know, in this movie. Well, that's, I have never even remotely heard about Clint Eastwood 
with this. Uh, but sitting here thinking about it, of course, the movie would have a whole different tone with Clint Eastwood. But if you take the character that he portrayed in Gran Torino and put it to this movie, that would work. You know, that kind of slow talking, low talking, ain't going to take no crap type of thing. Right. But then that goes, that goes against kind of being a, a drill sergeant and being loud and, and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I could, I could see him pulling that off. I think the movie would have a more serious tone for sure. It wouldn't quite be, it'd probably have funny parts in it or some comedy in it, but it wouldn't be a full blown comedy like this. Right. You're not going to get the the lines that you know, that uh, Damon Wayans comes up with in this movie. You would get some of them, but uh, they would be delivered differently. You know, right. you can picture Clint Eastwood saying, you know, killing is my business and business <laughs> is good. You know, <laughs> yeah. it would be delivered way differently, but uh, that would just speak to the different tone overall of the film. Yeah. You tap into a little dirty Harry there. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's the uh, dummy now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it could work. It could work in a different setting. Yeah. With Clint Eastwood. Surely. Well, with that being the only kind of casting, what if, can you see anybody else in that role of major pain? Uh, in that time period, 95. Uh, you know, this is one of those situations where. Uh, I mean, that's his role. It's, yeah. I mean, Stallone, it, it wouldn't come across good with Stallone doing it. One person I thought of that perhaps could be fun in that situation would be Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. And I also thought Mr. T, this would have been a good vehicle for him <laughs> at that point in time. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is Damon Wayans movie. It, it's hard to. Yeah. To really picture anybody knocking it out of the park like he did. For sure. Did a great job. Uh, any unanswered questions uh, or flaws maybe you noticed while you're watching the movie? This ain't a movie that you really, that I don't set nitpick. You know, it, Right. It, it's not a serious movie. It, it's not got this twisted storyline that you're having to keep up with and trying to find flaws or noticing flaws. This is just a turn it on, kick back on the couch for an hour and a half, chuckle a little bit. You know, it just breezes by, and or at least I didn't really. Nothing jumped out at me, and yeah. I wouldn't care if it did in this movie. You know, it's, yeah, it, and like you said, it, the stuff that I found, I didn't want, I didn't uh, notice anything when I rewatched it, uh, and all the stuff that I found was just nitpick stuff. Um, there's a scene when he's uh, confronting Michael Ironside. He's actually got uh, an earring in his ear that he forgot to take out, I guess, before shooting. Oh. That kind of a thing. Um, when they're when they're trying to photograph uh, Heathcote there and in, in the bed with Major Payne, uh, there's some differences with the clock that shows like four o'clock, and then they cut back and it shows like twelve thirty or something. I don't know. Mm. There's just some just stuff some like really that. Minor stuff. Yeah. So there's nothing. I didn't get any. Sit down. Like, why didn't, didn't they do this or that? I mean, it you was know, just kind of a soak it in kind of a movie, like you if said. If you're watching a movie like The Godfather or something like that, and you see the different times on the clock, it really gets your brain going like, wait, is that supposed to mean something? What's going on? In this, you're just like, eh. <laughs> right, right. All right, uh, this is always a fun part we get to go through. What should be the next incarnation of the film? Uh, in 2014, and I had forgot about this, 
uh, actor Orlando Brown, who played Tiger in the movie, reported a sequel was in the works. He said he would play a new major, which will continue the story of his character Tiger, but now all grown up. Apparently that did not <laughs> pull through. I don't know. What do you think about uh, doing a sequel, something like that nowadays? Uh, I don't know. I think just their offhanded comment at the beginning, maybe an older major Payne having to come out of retirement. You think of uh, the Kyrie Irving uh, shorts and the movie Uncle Drew that he done for Pepsi with the basketball, with all the makeup and stuff. Mm-hmm. I can see Damon Wayans with a little bit of wrinkled makeup and stuff, you know, being called back into back into duty. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not as a drill sergeant as a school, but as a comedy uh, war movie type thing. But uh, I'm not sure it, it's time yet for a reboot of it either. I don't know who's out there right now. Well, Kevin Hart might could do something with it. The Rock might could do something with it. You're right. But uh, I don't know. I mean, this this is again, this is major pain is Damon Wayans. Yeah. Doing a sequel, I think, might have worked if it had been, you know, a couple years after the original came out. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they kind of lead into that at the end of the movie where the next batch of kids are there. And <laughs> that whole scene with the C&I dog. Yeah, that's great. great. But you can just picture, you know, the next batch of kids coming and him whipping them and coming up with a story, you know, based around them. So I think it could have worked shortly after the original release. But now I don't think enough people are connected with the movie. They might go, oh, yeah, I do remember that movie watching that. That was pretty funny. And that's all they think about a sequel. You know, they were not going to go see it or anything. But a reboot, I think it could work. You know, you think about kids nowadays uh, addicted to their technology and, you know, you bring in the the hard-nosed drill instructor to shape them up. Uh, they get sent off to a boarding school or something, you know. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think that. that could I could see that work uh, nowadays for like a reboot. What about a Netflix series? No, I don't. You know, I think every movie we've reviewed so far would work, but this one I just don't. The episodes would get tired with every episode with a new plot to get rid of major pain, you know, and then turning, you know, halfway through the series where they're working hard to win the the games. I, I just don't, at least for me, it would. I don't think it would hold my attention to binge watch. I mean, can you imagine stretching yeah. this movie out over eight hours? No, no, no not <laughs> at all. That's what I said before. I thought the the hour and a half was perfect. Didn't feel too long or too short. Just felt right. And you gonna do it like the show Lost, where we have a flashback episode featuring each of the kids or something? No, No. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, So that that was a big no for me. I don't think it's anything sacred that it should be left alone. If they're gonna go for it, go for it. But I think it would just be better maybe to be rebooted. Uh, yeah. More than anything at this point. Just make at a this modern point. version of it, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's get on to some facts about the movie. And then, uh, actually, there's uh, they had a deleted scene. I don't know if you saw that or not. Um, <clears throat> it wasn't really too much of anything big. Uh, here are some fun facts. In one scene, Major Payne tells the children, now, apparently, what we have here is a failure to communicate. This is, of course, the famous quote taken from Cool Hand Luke. Uh-huh. So there's a lot of little small references like that, you know, even like you said with the beginning of the movie and 
<laughs> that whole sequence uh, just kind of rehashes from all these older military movies. In well, Koyan Luke is in a military movie, but right. Anyway, um, to research his character, Damon Wayans endured several weeks of drill instructor qualification training, learning the requirements of a Marine Corps drill instructor as well as other aspects of Marine Corps training. Viewers can see several small things he does, like the cadence of his walk and his almost unconscious correcting his cover, his hat, after berating and getting in the face of each cadet and more. So he actually went through uh, a short-lived boot camp himself. Wow. To the writer, um, which if you can go over to uh, the writer's website, Dean Laurie, I think it's just DeanLaurie.com. He's got a couple installments of some behind-the-scenes stuff that uh, I got some of this from. But, yeah, so he went through the whole thing to to kind of get it right. And another thing that I noticed uh, that you could really nitpick, and a lot of people had left comments, is basically his, his uniform, some of the medals and everything that he has on his uniform. And that, sh- that doesn't go with that, and that doesn't go with that, and they should be doing this. And you know how the whole military has their routine yeah. that that's just you know down to a t and of course a movie like this they're not gonna <laughs> necessarily no. follow that just to be uh screen accurate or whatever you know what i mean so the song that plays during major Payne's dream sequence all right you remember this when he's dreaming uh he's at the the train station there and he's mm-hmm. he's seeing them in the yard and he's there and the <laughs> the dude pops up from the fence and he hits him uh the song for that dream sequence is actually the theme to the Donna Reed show. Oh, that makes sense for the mm-hmm. scene they were trying to portray there. Yeah. Yeah. I never watched the Donna Reed show, so I thought that oh, was Oh, I did. Oh, man. Did I you? Did. Growing up, Nick at night, me and Mom. Nick at night, oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 9.30 every night. <laughs> uh, Major Payne's uniform shows the scuba diving badge. And the parachutist badge in the U.S. Marine Corps, this was almost certainly meant that Payne came from an elite Marine reconnaissance or force reconnaissance unit, which would certainly justify his war-grizzled character. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Uh, <laughs> okay. This one's a little weird. So uh, Payne and Emily dance to Pop That Coochie by Two Live Crew in the nightclub mm-hmm. scene. Interestingly enough, Wayans was having a real-life feud with Two Live Crew at the time, Due to a joke he told about the group during his comedy special, Damon Wayne's The Last Stand, he called them gangsters with microphones. Well, this prompted Two Live Crew frontman Luther Campbell to cut a response rant on Wayne's and his show and Living Color on a track called I Ain't Bullshitting 3. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which appears on the Sports Weekend album, the same album that also features Pop That Coochie. So did you get that circle of logic there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they uh, they used the song actually from the from the album that has a diss track <laughs> about uh, Damon Wayans. So anyway, I didn't know that whole remember that whole situation going on at all. Me either. A uh, couple more things here. The movie was filmed at Miller School in Charlottesville, Virginia. Mm-hmm. I did know the- that. Recognizing it, but go ahead which was the same location as the 1991 film Toy Soldier, starring Sean Astin, Will Wheaton, and Lou Gossett Jr. I have hmm. not seen that one. 
And then at the end, when uh, Major Payne encounters the blind cadet he mockingly refers to as Ace Ventura, well, this, of course, was the breakthrough film for Jim Carrey, who also starred with Damon in in Living Color. So that was a little Mm -hmm. nod to Jim Carrey there. That's really all I had for for facts. Now, there was um, a couple of things. The, The trailer for the movie has a clip from a deleted scene in which Major Payne... To uh, rouse the cadets, he holds a cigarette lighter under the barrack sprinkler system. And the sprinkler kicks in and soaking everybody. And he says, rise and shine, pukes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so there was a kind of a deleted scene there. The one that I did see, I think, was at the beginning of the movie when he's trying to get that civilian job. And it was just a real short scene where he's in like a classroom and he's taking a test. And... He's just, he kind of looks down and kind of wanders and looks up a little bit and, oh yeah, oh yeah. And then he's, you know, keeps writing. <laughs> really wasn't much to it. But uh, now this was fun too. Here's a, a quote from uh, Dean Laurie. In our original opening to the movie, which I still love, a group of Marines are trapped inside a canyon as the enemy bears down on them. They are as good as dead until flying above them, a plane drops a crate attached to a parachute. The crate gently lands beside the doomed squad. Stenciled on the side are the words, open in case of war. (laughs) Desperate, the men pry off the lid to reveal Major Benson Winifred Payne. He snaps (laughs) open his eyes and says, does someone need some killing? (laughs) And that would be great because it could lead right into the actual opening sequence. Yeah. And then he's continuing on with that. Then he single-handedly kills all the enemies and saves the men. It was ultimately deemed too silly, but so much of the movie is silly that it's hard to find that line. Unquote from Dean Laurie. So imagine awesome. (laughs) That would have been a fun opening. He comes in in a cargo uh, crate and, Open in case of war. <laughs> that's pretty. That's a pretty good idea. Yeah, that was essentially my favorite thing to find of the of the research. That in the you know the Clint Eastwood bit writing for the movie for him. But that's uh, that's pretty much all I got on the movie, man. Um, well, it was really fun. Very, yeah, it wasn't a very deep movie. I mean, there's not a lot. No, of no, it wasn't. Yeah, go through. You, you're not gonna find. <laughs> you're not gonna find a lot on a you know just a straightforward comedy like this is no. so but it was fun it was i really enjoyed uh re-watching it again and anxious to hear now what you might be choosing for april i'm gonna be a little selfish because uh the newest installment of this movie franchise is available and i haven't seen it so i'm gonna start at the beginning and we'll i'll watch it before our next episode of this we're gonna do toy story oh hanks and Tim Allen and several other folks you may or may not have heard of. <laughs> John Rassensberger. Yeah, they've got to have him mm-hmm. in every movie. Um, I have a really fun story about Toy Story, seeing it in the theater. I cannot wait to tell. Oh, good. It's, it's like my uh, the most insane and crazy experience I've ever had in a movie theater. Oh, now you've done teased this. <laughs> It happened back in college, and oh gosh. Does it, it involve was, a cargo crate landing that says, open in case of war? No, it does oh. not. But uh, 
I won't tease it anymore because I don't want to give it away. I just want to, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it next time. But it was like one of the first or second weekends, I think, at college. And I'm with uh, a group of guys that I just didn't know. And what happened just ingrained in our memories forever. <laughs> Put it that way. Very interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited. I have not watched the original Toy Story in a while, probably the early 2000s. That was on pretty heavy rotation when my boys were younger. And, <laughs> and Toy Story 2. Number three, I think I've seen once, and I have not seen number four yet. I so. have seen number one probably 30 times. I've seen number two one and a half times. I didn't care for it. I've not seen three or four, so... I'm going to watch three and four here in the very, very near future. I've been putting it off till I could rewatch the first one to do the, the show with. So looking forward to getting back into yeah. the Toy Story universe. It will be fun. And we will see you then in April. Dear patrons, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, would love to hear your thoughts on Major Pain. If you get the chance, uh, just leave a comment over there on Patreon or hit us up on Twitter at TRN Social. And uh, would love to get your thoughts on the movie and uh, what your thoughts are on Toy Story as well as we approach April and uh, keep moving along with TRN Drive-In 95. Thanks so much. Thanks, Mick, for coming along again. It's always fun. Absolutely. And the TRN Drive-In is now closed. We'll see you next time. <laughs>